It's Thursday night, and what a better time to talk sports. You're in the Ozone with Coach Joe, C- Coach Joe, Ronnie O. Everybody's here. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, all right, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. Yeah, we're talking sports. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430 if you want to join in. Well, we lost Joe Cap who was the losing quarterback in Super Bowl IV for the Vikings. Coach Joe, I looked up a little bit of stuff on him. In 1958, he led the Cal Bears to the Rose Bowl. They haven't been back since. You know, I thought it had been a while. Hadn't seen him there lately. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they kind of always bring up the the rear in the Pac-12 or however many teams they've got now. But I remember they had a good basketball program uh, for a couple of seasons there. Jason Kidd was there, I think. Yeah, that's basketball. right. Basketball, yeah. Yeah. But football has been, even with uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, it just hasn't hasn't materialized for them, has it? Yeah, they, they've had some good quarterbacks over the years, but they haven't been able to, to do a whole lot. You know, he, he coached there in 82-86. He's in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, won the Grey Cup for the 1964 British Columbia Lions. And... Of course, he was the head coach of the Cal Bears and the famous, the band is on the field. The band is on the field. And I looked up some stuff on that game. That was a really exciting game. Cal was leading 1917 with about a minute and something left. And John Elway, who was quarterbacking Stanford, had a fourth and 17 from his own 13. He converted that, took Stanford down, and with about 10 seconds left, they're going to kick a field goal to supposedly win the game. Well, their head coach, Paul Wiggins, said, listen, I want you to call timeout with about 10 seconds left so if there's a bad snap, we can kick it again. Well, that would prove to be ironic <laughs> because, I mean, who would have thought that what occurred happened? Well, they make the field goal. They go up 20-19. to 19. Game is apparently over. Just a quick squib kick and you yeah. and head for home. Yeah. No problem. Well, they, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> they run out. Some of the Stanford players run out on the field. They get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So the 15 yards penalty on the kickoff. Oh, man. So squib kick it so there can't be a return. They squib kick it. And five laterals later, Stanford Cal is in the end zone and they won the football game in one of the wildest finishes, of course. Uh, Moen, the guy that ran it in after the fifth lateral, he ran over the trombone player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, everybody had already started coming on the field thinking that the, one of the players had been down, but he had managed to get the lateral off, and, and that was wild. Yeah, the entire band was in the yeah. corner of the end zone. <laughs> knocked, the, knocked, the, knocked the trombone player right on his butt. Oh, man, that's, that that tape never never ceases to, to amaze me. I've yeah. seen it a bunch of times. I know. He couldn't tackle. I mean, it was very poor form. It, it was just very poor. And <laughs> even even with the big musical instrument in his hand, he couldn't bring that. Exactly. Nobody could bring him down. Exactly. i got to ask you about this. Um, Pat Williams, who we've had on the show, we're going to have to get him back. Pat Williams wants to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. He brought the magic to Orlando. And Pat Williams was a minor league baseball player, a catcher. You know, everybody has always said when Pat Williams is try, says he's going to do something, no way, it can't be done. And and he gets it done. And he really is a, a magician about that sort of thing. And they just, 
don't know if you saw it. They just uh, uh, produced a rendering of a proposed yes. Orlando Stadium. Really cool looking stuff. Uh, a lot Dome people, Stadium. Yeah, a lot of people saying. Uh, I was talking about this the other day with Alex that the Rays could end up going to Orlando. Yeah. It, you know, Major League Baseball probably wants to expand. Maybe put a couple more teams in, in the uh, in one in the American League, one more in the National League. But uh, if if that doesn't happen, the Rays uh, lease is over in four years, and they, right. the the trop, the the that's a bad place for a stadium. As good as the Rays are, it's hard to get to. They don't get yeah. great attendance, and they but they can't. But uh, Pinellas is being greedy and won't uh, won't let Hillsborough have their chance to build a stadium in a more central location. Could end up Orlando. Could happen. Mm-hmm. Orlando Rays. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. All right, well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have with us Matt Laporta, former Florida Gator and season home run leader up until now, up until last year when it was tied. And, of course, Jack Caglione broke it this year. And uh, we'll talk to Matt. He played Major League Baseball. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF. We are back in the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Going to kick you back over to the other side of the glass there because we've got Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Back to you guys. Coach Joe, back in the Ozone, and it's our privilege to have with us Matt Laporta. Matt, former Major League Baseball player, and in 2005 he hit 26 home runs for the Florida Gators, which stood as the record until last year when Wyatt Langford tied it and then Jack Caglione broke it this year. Welcome back to the Ozone, Matt. So good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Oh, we really appreciate it. You know, Matt, they've changed the bats, haven't they? The bat that you used to hit 26 home runs is not the same bat that they're using now. Is that correct? I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they've altered the bats in some ways. I don't, I don't know whether it's been good or bad. I know that there's been periods of time where a lot of people would say that the bats weren't, weren't good at all. Um, but that may be a different story now. Well, you know, one of the things I, I found interesting is that you played two years in the Cape Cod League where they use a, a wooden bat, and you didn't seem to have any trouble with it. What was the most difficult thing adjusting from the metal bats to a wooden bat? Um, I, I think for a lot of players, uh, you know, it's that sweet spot, right? The sweet spot on a wood bat is a lot smaller than on an aluminum bat, so it, you know you get you get you know fisted, right? You get a CNI single with aluminum with wood that's a broken bat, and you're out. And so, but for me, I always tried to square balls up the best that I could. Well, in 2005, you guys went to the College World Series and went all the way to the finals, where Texas beat the Gators that year and you played for Pat McMahon um you, you not only hit 26 home runs but you were the um uh major or you were the player of the year at All-American that year and uh what a year you had that year what do you remember most about that year oh man that that was a that was a great it was a great year we had a great ball club our team gelled really well together um i i just yeah we just all hit and it was a lot of fun. It, it, you know, we, we believed that we were close to being that good, and, and then it just finally clicked in, in 2005 for us. 
you know, you've been so gracious about um, with Wyatt Langford when he tied your record last year and then this year when Jack Caglione broke it. Um, talk a little bit about those two guys. Do they? Do you see anything of yourself in either one of those guys? Yeah, so definitely Wyatt Langford, obviously being that he's right-handed, I'm right-handed. You know, he's a big, strong kid. He's a Scott. And he, he's a, got a tremendous work ethic. Um, he's very versatile. He can play the infield, you know, first base. He can play the outfield. Um, he's a talented player. And then I think Jack is just, Jack is a totally different player than I am, right? He's 6'4", you know, 6'5", 240 pounds, throws from the left side, you know, at 97, 98. Uh, it just, he's got a lot of leverage when he's up there at the, at the plate. And he really smashes the ball. He's a special, he's a special player, in my opinion. We're talking tonight with Matt Laporta, the Gators' great former Major League Baseball player. Talking baseball, you can join us at 682-1430, 682-1430. I don't hear the sirens in the background anymore, Matt, so it looks like you successfully outrun the police. Congratulations for that. <laughs> I don't think I'm outrunning anybody. I, I have to uh, want to ask you again about that Cape Cod League. You played there in uh, 2004 and I believe in 2006 as well. Because, you know, there's been so many stories and histories written about that league. And I had to, I'm always curious, what is that league really like to play as a young player? And, and how did it help to play in a league like that? Oh, man, that league is tremendous. I mean, you're playing against some of the best players in the country, right? And I, I mean, there are guys that are going from there, going to have a great big league career, going to be Hall of Famers. I mean, I was just, uh, you, you know, with Buster Posey the other night, actually at an event he for, for uh, the V Foundation. So Dick, Dick Vitale's uh, Dickie V Foundation deal in Sarasota, and he won an award. But me and Buster were on the same Cape League All-Star team, right? And he was one. Uh, Matt Weeders was two. You know, I was three. I'm trying to think of the guy who was four. I can't think of his name right now. I played at Auburn third baseman. Um, gosh, he played with Toronto. Had a great career with Toronto for a little bit. Uh, anyway, but my point is, I mean, there's just so many future stars that come out of that league. And I think it just prepares you for the talent level that you're going to see as you continue to progress. Yeah, so, so many great things about that league. And, you, you know, you had such a great season in 2005, and then again in 2007 when you hit 402 for the Gators, 20 home runs, SEC Player of the Year. You uh, you had actually been drafted in 2006 by the Red Sox, decided against turning pro at that point. What went into your decision there? Well, uh, you know, I got hurt. Um, my, I got hurt my junior year. So I tore my oblique, and I, uh, I just – you know, felt like I could do better if I went back, right? Like, you know, the Red Sox drafted me in the 14th round and, uh, you know, didn't offer me quite as much as I thought I was, you know, worth. And so I was like, well, I'll go back, I'll graduate, I'll get my degree, and I'll go play and have the year that I knew I could have. And that's what I did. Yeah, and it worked out good. You ended up being the seventh pick of Milwaukee in the following year's draft. So uh, uh, what was, uh, what was it like to get drafted and, 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 and what, and the immediate aftermath of that? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, um, 
I, it, it was kind of anticlimactic, to be honest oh, with you, okay. because I, I'd been <laughs> I'd been drafted. Well, you know, I had been drafted out of high school, the 14th rounder out of high school. Then I was drafted again in my junior year, 14th round again. And at each time we had like little draft parties because we thought each time I was going to go significantly higher than where I did. Uh, and, and so the last, you know, the last, the third draft, I just kind of was like, hey, you know, whatever happens, happens, man. I, I'm going to go play pro ball regardless. And I'm going to get to the big league. So whatever, you know, whatever comes, comes. And so I can remember I was sitting in California in Beverly Hills with a buddy of mine who's my co- was my college roommate, Brian LeClaire. And we just woke up that morning. I got a call from our advisors because we couldn't call them agents. I got a call from our advisor. Hey, looks like the Brewers might take you seventh overall. I'm like, man, that's great. I'll watch the TV. Let me know what, you know. I'll see. And so we're just sitting there eating our breakfast, and here comes my name across the screen, seventh overall pick. And so it was it was just a very different experience than two years previously. Wow. Matt, was the player from Auburn Gabe Gross you were trying to think of? No, it was uh, Josh. Josh uh, Donaldson? Donaldson. God, I don't know why I couldn't He's a great <laughs> You know, great hitter. So, I mean, you, you think about that. Like, my Cape team, I've got Buster Posey, Matt Wieters, Josh Donaldson, and myself are the top four hitters. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, that's the kind of level of talent that the Cape just brings out. And don't you stay with people up there with private citizens? You do. You do. And that gets a little interesting and dicey, too. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh. Some 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 of them are better than others, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I my my second time I went up there, this family that I was with had like this kind of quasi guest house, but but like the refrigerator was in the main house. So, but and our games are getting over at you know nine ten eleven o'clock, and everything shuts down in the Cape early. So I'd go <laughs> home, and I'm like I'm hungry. <laughs> what they do, they would lock the connecting door to get to the main house where the fridge was. So I'd go home and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll just sit here and go to bed. Because they didn't, you know, these people locked the door. Finally, I found a place that was open late at night, but I'd have to drive 30 minutes to go get to it. And then there, it was just an, it, again, people are interesting. They have their own perspective, but, you know, they had multiple kids and they felt like, I should be giving lessons, you know, hitting lessons to their kids because I was staying there. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm here to work. I'm here to get better, not teach your kid how to hit right now. (laughs) Not that I don't mind doing that, but it was like I had a lot of things on my my mind and plate. So anyway, but some people have great host families. Uh, Matt, take us back to your first major league home run. Yeah. We, uh, so my, my, I mean, well, I'll give you my big league debut first, which I faced, you know, had to go against Justin Verlander. So that wasn't, wow. you, you know, the, what I was hoping for the first, first game, but anyway, so that's the first game. Then we go to Toronto and I remember my first home run, uh, it was Brian Tallett with, with the Blue Jays left-handed guy. He threw one over the disc and I hit it out the left center. And so it was it my first hit and first home run in the big leagues. 
Wow. And then you get traded for a guy named C.C. Sabathia. Yeah, that was, you know, I was still in the minors. Uh, you know, I got traded. So I got drafted in 07, and then I got traded in 08. Um, yeah, for C.C. I mean, and that was a, obviously that was a huge trade at the time, and he was so good. And, you know, there was a lot of promise for, for myself and my career. And, um, yeah, it was a, talk about being put in the spotlight right away. That, that was it. Yeah. Hey, hey, now, Matt, you, you are also in the spotlight in 08. Uh, haven't mentioned the Olympic experience. What was that like? Oh, that, that was incredible. To be able to represent our country, playing a sport that I love. Um, it, yeah, one of the best experiences that I've had. And USA Baseball does such a great job with us. and It, it was just, yeah, an opportunity of a lifetime and you know, and then to get a bronze medal, yeah, obviously we wish it was gold, right? Um, but it is what it is, and we had a great time and, you know, made a lot of good friends playing there. Do you remember the whole thing, Matt? Because uh, I know you, you took one <laughs> to the head there in one game, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did take one to the head. I sat out for a couple of games. Um, and I, I'll be honest, man, it, you, you know, I had never had a concussion before. And I still, you know, still kind of all that was relatively new. And, you know, people were, you know, didn't have their arms fully wrapped around it. But I remember coming back for the season, still feeling different times, feeling nauseous or lightheaded, playing in the outfield. I'm like, oh, man, this is, oof. But, you know, Tim, we didn't know. So you kind of keep playing. Matt, we got a lot of kids that listen to the show. And one of the things that I think sticks out to me about you is that, you know, I've known some guys who were um, high minor league players or major league players even that just couldn't adjust afterwards. But you've been very successful off the field. Tell our audience what you're doing now. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that is a that is a, a journey and a process, I think, of, of really self-discovery, of figuring out who am I outside of this game. Uh, it was hard, man. It was really difficult. There was a lot of days where, you know, I was down in the dumps, if you will, right? Not, not knowing what that next step was going to be. And it just, you, you, you're so used to being at an elite level and you're no longer at an elite level. Um, and so kind of learning how to cope with that, deal with that. But, you know, thankfully I've, I've transitioned. I'm in a private equity now. And so we do, you know, we focus on lower middle market, um, control buyouts. So we buy operating businesses and, and I love it. It's the same level of intensity that I felt like when I played baseball, um, because there was a time after baseball, you know, if I said, you know, I live life at a seven to a 10 in baseball. And when I got out, you know, I can remember, remember telling my wife, Hey, I live life right now. It's like a three. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of boring. And, you know, at first she took a little bit of offense to it and I had to explain to her like, no, it's just the energy that you get when you walk in front of 40,000 fans or 50,000 and just, you know, it's just different. And, but, but thankfully I've kind of found that again in, in this space that I'm, I'm working in right now. Well, Matt, we certainly appreciate your time and um, wish you the best of luck and thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is great. I love getting to relive some old baseball memories.
Well, we, makes me still feel relevant. <laughs> oh well, it certainly thrills us to be able to talk to you and um, relive those moments with you. Go Gators! Go Gators! Go Thank Gators. you guys. Thanks, Have a wonderful Matt. night. All right, Matt Laporta, former Florida Gator, former Major League Baseball player, and an all-around good guy. So we're really proud to have him. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF. Oh, we are back once again in the Ozone. Yeah, it's time to talk a bit more sports. Brought to you tonight by Allied Scrap Processors. We got Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Man, what, what a great interview with Matt Laporta. He was a lot of fun to have oh, on, he wasn't sure he, Coach? was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ronnie, we uh, the NFL has released the schedule. I'm scanning through it now. I'll give you the, <laughs> the highlights for the Bucks as I find them, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of highlights... The Rays up in the Bronx are up 4 nothing on the Yankees. I love it. 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 Let's keep them in last place. Of course, we're only in the sixth inning, so that's game's certainly not over. But the Rays lead all of Major League Baseball with a fantastic start, 29-9. and And the Twins leading the Central at 21-17, three-game lead over the Tigers. How about that? And the Texas Rangers leading the West with a three-game lead over the Angels. And the Braves in the National League East with a six-and-a-half game lead over your Marlins. How about that? The Marlins had been playing pretty well. They they had a bit—do you know the biggest problem the Marlins have is most of their losses have been to the Braves. They just cannot <laughs> beat those guys. <laughs> Thankfully, there's a limit on the number of times they play each year or it could get ugly. The Marlins are beating up on everybody else. Uh, they took two out of three in Arizona— uh, this past early part of the week, and I think they're staying out west for the, for the rest of this week. And didn't they just bring up their number one prospect? Yes, they did. Yeah, and they've been From doing double the, A. Uh huh. And they've been doing that with Sandy Alcantara not really being uh, as effective as he normally is. Although he he's he had some sort of a bicep strain or something, and it's it's affected his velocity a little bit. But he's starting to find his form. He pitched really strong against the Cubs over the weekend. So between that. And and they also have you know last year's uh, one of the top hitters in the American League with the Twins. They got him in a trade, and the Marlins are are pretty good right now. As long as they don't have to play the Braves, they could uh, they could make a run. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, there's a limit. And how about this? The Pirates leading the Central. They only got a half game lead over the Brewers, and the Dodgers two and a half games up on the Diamondbacks. But the Rays, my goodness, what a great start that's been for them. Um, in record fashion, and just unbelievable what they've been able to do and what they've been able to do with the roster that they've got. But they just do it year after year after year. Well, on this day in 1922, Nestor Shylock, American League Baseball Hall of Fame umpire, was born in Oliphant, Pennsylvania. And on this date in 1939, Milt Pappas, American League Baseball pitcher, three-time All-Star, was born in Detroit, Michigan, and in 1965, he was part of a famous trade for Frank Robinson. Cincinnati Reds general manager said, Frank Robinson's an old, 30 years old. He would go <laughs> on to win the Triple Crown the next year and take the Orioles to the World Series title. And uh, his son, Milt Pappas, his son Tom, used to come in and co-host with me when he used to live over here. Oh, awesome. Real nice kid. Yeah, knew a lot about baseball, obviously, and... um 
had some great memories about his dad and going in locker rooms and all that stuff. And also today is Lewis Murphy's birthday, former Florida Gator wide receiver, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And uh, another guy you may have heard of, Cam Newton. It's his, his birthday, birthday today, yeah. Yeah, he's looking around trying to get, get uh, a gig somewhere. It's not working out for him right now. He he put his body through a lot. And, uh, you know, quarterbacks, when they go, they, it's it's just like that. So we got to keep an eye on uh, some of the older quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, are you listening? <laughs> See if, in fact, uh, what he's left in the tank. Well, you know, in 2011, um, Cam Newton, who originally started with the Gators, and then he famously was accused of stealing a laptop and throwing it out the window to avoid prosecution, um, he ended up doing Blinn Junior College and then went to Auburn. And in 2011, they had a magical year that year. They got down to Alabama and Tuscaloosa, like, Three touchdowns, I think. It was like 28-7 to seven or something like that, and he led him back to win. Yeah, he did. That was an, an amazing comeback on the road, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, you talk about one player carrying a team. He just took Auburn on its back and, and took them all the, all the way to the title. And uh, uh, it, it's, uh, I, it's, it's something that you really rarely see. Usually you have to have a really, really good team, and Auburn was just an okay team with an exceptional player on it. For that – Five to almost almost ten years between college and, and the NFL, Cam Newton was lighting it up, almost unstoppable. Well, it led the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Um, they lost to to Denver. That was Denver. Uh, so, yeah, Peyton Manning. Huh? Yeah, they ran into Von Miller too. That didn't. Help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, that Denver defense was special uh, because by then we talked about aging quarterbacks. Peyton Manning was. Uh, he was just a shell of what he was, but that was his final game. Was fact was that Super Bowl. Wasn't weren't the, the Panthers fifteen and one that year? Um, I want to say fourteen and two, but you might be right. We'll have to look that one up. But they they were extremely good. But that just but they could they never were able to solve the Denver defense. Cam Newton spent all, all kinds of time in in trouble. I know he fumbled twice, and uh, and Denver was able to between that defense and and the running game they had, they were able to control that game. They had been in the Super Bowl the year before, so Denver was a veteran team at that point. Yeah. On this date in 1959, New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra's airless streak of 148 games ends. And we were talking about him. His two sons both played professional sports. His son Dale was was an infielder with the Pirates. Mostly with the Pirates, yeah. 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 He was an infielder for them. And his son, Tim, was a wide receiver for the Colts. And uh, one of my favorite stories, I think I told you this earlier, was that Yogi came home from a road trip and asked Tim, he says, Tim, where's your mom? He said, oh, she's going to see Dr. Zhivago. And Yogi said, good gosh, so that woman stays sick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that story. That's great. All right, Ronnie, uh, I've got the first few games for the Bucks here. All right, one more. Let me give one more. Okay. 1963. My man, Sandy Koufax, threw his second no-hitter, beating Juan Marichal and the San Francisco Giants 8 to nothing. So uh, what you got on the schedule, Coach? All right, let's uh, go through the first month of the season for the Bucks. Uh, obviously, the entire NFL schedule is now out. Uh, and by the way, the first game of the season is the traditional Thursday night opener uh, at the location of the Super Bowl champ. It'll be Detroit at Kansas City. Uh, Sunday, September 10th, the Bucks. Opener, they open on the road at Minnesota, Sunday 1 o'clock. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of Sunday 1 o'clock games for the Bucks now that they don't have Tom Brady anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, but, and having said that, uh, then the, it's the third week of the season 
when they do get a Monday night game after their home opener the second week of the season, 17th at 1 o'clock against the Bears, they then have a home game with the Eagles on a Monday night in week three. So that's a lot to look forward to there. And then they go to New Orleans for a 1 o'clock Sunday game in week four, and I believe they have a bye in week five. So that's the first month of the season for the Bucks. And I'm, there you I'm go. I'm going to scan through to pick out the highlights of the Bucks. Any Thursday night games for them? I haven't seen one yet, but okay. I haven't looked at them all yet. I'll, all right. Well, usually everybody has at least one. So there you go. Find out what night we have off. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Time for the fourth segment of The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Got Ronnie O, Coach Joe, they're talking sports. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in The Ozone. Coach Joe, I can hear those stomachs growling out there. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you, our audience is hungry, they're thirsty. What can we do about it? We can feed them. I like that. lucky winner at a time. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're solving the world's hunger problem one listener at a time. If you haven't won the last six months, and we have a list, so remember that, give us a call at 682-1430 if you know the answer to our sports quiz, and you could go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, and you can eat and drink and take $30 off your tab. How about that? $30 off your tab. Man, that's strong, Coach Joe. Oh, yeah, they had great specials, something different every day. It's just yesterday they had a great special on wings, and they have a Mother's Day special coming up, too. Oh, yeah. You want to take Mom there for a special meal. $30 off your tab, that's stronger than nine acres of onions, I'm telling you. All right, (laughs) so here's our question. Yogi Berra, Hall of Fame catcher for the Yankees, what was his real first name? Was it A, Aloysius, B, Lawrence, or C, McGillicuddy. Give us a call, 682-1430. You've got three chances, and it ought to be pretty easy for you, 682-1430, to tell us Yogi Berra's real first name, 682-1430. And for a little trivia, he grew up in the same neighborhood as Joe Garagiola in St. Louis, and Joe Garagiola once owned our sister station, WONN. I did not know that he did that because yes, he was he a great broadcaster. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And um, my, my favorite Garagiola story was that you know he hated Tony Kubek evidently, and they didn't get along at all. And they were talking about Kubek said, "Well, Joey says, um, you know, the pitcher's got to keep the ball down in the strike zone because then the hitter can only see the top half of the baseball." And Garagiola said, "Tony." So the reason you have to keep the ball low in the strike zone is because you've never seen a 500-foot ground ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, yeah, both of them were terrific uh, announcers. You know, Kubek was a great shortstop in his day. Yeah. Gradually, I think he was a catcher, right? Yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, so just like Yogi Berra. Yeah. He was mostly a catcher, although later in his career he played some other positions as catchers were wont to do, you know, save those legs. Yeah, he was the left fielder in 1960 when Mazeroski hit the home run. I still love to watch that as Barra watches the ball sail over his head because Forbes Field was not a band box. It was a long way. That was no cheap home run. (laughs) 
Yeah, that was that was quite the World Series. A lot of runs were scored that in that World and Series. And mostly by the Yankees. Games. Yeah, most of them were. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the balls were, were flying out of there, much like what the Rays are doing with 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 uh, with all of their hitting these days. Uh, maybe maybe they can turn it around and turn turn it on and win the World Series this year. You know that that would be that would be pretty exciting, and. Uh, you only have a few years left before that lease runs out, and there you <laughs> we go. may have to, to to travel over to Orlando. I wonder, depending on where they put that stadium you were mentioning earlier, is it closer to the stadium in Orlando than St. Peter's to to the studio? I don't know. <laughs> it might be in distance, but to get to Orlando, I've oh, got to go there okay. tomorrow. I need to be there by eleven thirty. I'm leaving at nine o'clock in the morning yeah, you to might make, make sure. It. You yeah, might I make might it make time. it. Maybe. It gets worse and worse on that I-4. I know. The other day I was driving on I-4, and you know we're stopping right there by Champions Gate, and this guy's hitchhiking, and I said, you want to ride? He said, no, thanks. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, give us a call, 682-1430. What we want to know is, what was Yogi Berra's real first name? If you haven't won the last six months, Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Was his real name Aloysius, Lawrence, or McGillicuddy? 682-1430. Come on, you folks know that. Rays continue to lead the Yankees running. They're in the top of the seventh now, 4 nothing still, heading towards the stretch. All and right. The Rays have two on, so we'll keep an eye on that. Let's go Rays. I think we got somebody that's hungry and thirsty, Coach Joe. Oh, wow. They must have been to the Ale House before, and they know it's located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They know of those 40 strategically located television sets and the drink and meal specials every night of the week. Who is this we've got on the phone that's hungry and thirsty? So from uh, the Pedras they left. Anna Green Boa. Bye. Hello. Yep. Hi. Hi. Is this Anna? Is that what you said? No, Brenda. Brenda. Brenda, how oh, are you okay. tonight? Brenda. How are you doing, Brenda? Fine, thank you. What is what was Yogi Berra's real first name? Was it Aloysius? Lawrence. Lawrence, you're exactly right. <laughs> That's good. Did you know that or did somebody tell you? Oh I no, I Googled it. Oh, uh, that's all right. I, I didn't know it. Ronnie told me. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I thought Coach Yogi Joe was all. He knows all sees all. I thought, yeah, I, nobody was answering, so I thought, well, I'll Google it. <laughs> there you go. That's we, yeah. we allow that. We don't care. Hey, you don't. Uh, okay. You know, only Ronnie's the only one who who was you know there when Yogi was born. <laughs> <laughs> most most of us had to learn it over time, so it's okay that you looked it up. It's, he was yeah, on my I little was, league I team. Alive. We we uh, entertain <laughs> oh. and educate here at the Ozone. <laughs> uh, and I was alive, so there. <laughs> Brenda, who who's your favorite baseball team? Oh, Braves. Braves? Oh, I'm sorry. You're ineligible to win. I'm sorry. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Braves won it all two years ago. But yeah. Whatever, why'd they get rid of Freddie Freeman, Brenda? Why would you do that? I couldn't even tell you. Uh, <laughs> I just watch. I don't I don't really pay attention to who's playing. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Well, if you'll hang on the line, Tim will get your information and we sure. will go ahead and we'll have you been out the ale house to eat before? I have. Thank All you. right. That's good. It's a great place to watch a game. All right. Well, yeah. hang on the line, Brenda, and um, Tim will get your information Thanks. and we'll send that out there tonight. You can go as early as tomorrow and you'll have 30 days to claim your Thank prize. You. All right. Congratulations, Thank Brenda. Well done, Brenda. Uh, the uh, Rays 
before the seventh inning stretch, have pushed another run across. Five nothing now. It's yes. To the bottom of the seventh. Let's go Rays. Let's go Rays. Yeah, they they would if they win this game, that'll put them nine. Count them nine games ahead of the Yankees. Oh yeah, love it, love it, and love it's it. Love early it. May, and they'd be nine games ahead. Yikes! <laughs> On this date in 1903, Charlie Geringer, American League Baseball Hall of Fame second baseman, six-time All-Star, World Series champion for the Tigers in 1935, and MVP and batting champion in 37 for the Tigers, was born in Fowlerville, Fowlerville, Michigan. He died in 1993. On this date in 1907, Rip Sewell, American baseball pitcher, was born and. You might remember him, older fans will remember him for the EFAS pitch, which was basically like a softball, a slow pitch softball pitch that he would throw. And he said the first time he threw it, the arc was like 25 feet in the air. And he said that the hitter started to swing, stopped, started to swing, started to swing, finally swung and missed it. And then in the 1946 All-Star game, he told Ted Williams, I'm going to throw you the EFAS pitch. And he threw Ted Williams two of them. And Ted watched him, and the count, with the count one and two, he told him, I'm going to throw you another one. And Ted Williams hit it for a home run in the 1946 All-Star game. And just as a sideline, Rip Sewell used to play in the Florida Southern um, baseball tournament here because he lived in Plant City, and that's where he passed away, was in Plant City, Florida. Oh, great stuff there. Well, if you're Bucks fans, Ronnie, and you want to see them, keep your Sunday afternoons <laughs> open <laughs> because that's where almost all of their games will be. There is a, a Monday night game week three when they're home to Philadelphia and a Thursday night game week eight, that's October 26th, when they're at Buffalo, uh, which, by the way, all Buccaneers games here on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF if you want to listen to the games. But uh, all their other games are on Sundays, usually at 1 o'clock. There's a 4 o'clock game at San Francisco and uh, a 4 o'clock game on Christmas Eve at home to Jacksonville. And we forgot to say that on WONN they'll be carrying the Gators and we will be preempted for that first game on August 31st when Uh, they play Utah. Oh, yeah. They moved it to Thursday night. Yeah. Oh, so we're off too, huh? Yeah, I'll oh. be I'll be out there. <laughs> okay, I can't even call in with a live report. Oh man, yeah, yeah. Forgot about that. That's a Thursday, and uh, oh, you know how the Gators played FSU on Black Friday last year. Well, the NFL is getting in on this Black Friday stuff. Dolphins <laughs> at Jets. Oh wow, on Black Friday. Wow. <laughs> but uh, no day is safe anymore. For there's just so much football. We got to. Pretty soon we'll start having Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. Well, on this date in 2006, former heavyweight champion of the world, Floyd Patterson, passed away. He won the heavyweight championship in 1956, held it until 59, when he lost it to Ingemar Johansson of Sweden. He beat Johansson in the rematch and held it until 1962 when Sonny Liston treated him like a rag doll and beat him badly. He won the Olympic gold medal in 1952. And in 2017, Yale Larry former NFL Hall of Famer with the Detroit Lions, passed away at the age of 86. He went to Texas A&M, and he led them not only in football, he was all-conference, but he led them to the College World Series in baseball, went into the U.S. Army, was a nine-time pro bowler, and had 50 interceptions, and then led the league in punting three times. I remember he was 
He was with the Detroit Lions, and this is really old. He was an NFL champion in 52, 53, and 57, which was the last year the Lions ever won their championships. Very nice. Hey, uh, Ron, a quick shout-out to our friends at Lakeland Christian School. They are now in the regional semifinal uh, in baseball. Looking good there. They play tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, against Bishop McLaughlin. If they win, they'll advance to the regional final on Monday. Go Vikings. Yeah, and all those games will be at LCS. So if you're local, go ahead and check it out because they're right down the street from us. Yeah, they are. They really are. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. (laughs) 